It takes more than great JSON indentation skills to be a great engineer. This is episode 166 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics. I did some JSON indentation the other day by hand. I felt like a craftsman. <laughs> and then I remembered I could have just hit save in my editor and had it happen automatically. And I felt like a wastrel. Wastrel? How do you say that word? <laughs> I don't know that word. I've never said it out loud. Wait, wastrel probably. It's like a lazy bones, a vagabond. Oh, not someone who types things on their keyboard unnecessarily. Wastrel. No. Well, but yes. In the end, yes. <laughs> People who type too much are wastrels. That's not what this show is about. It's not a Jameson pronounces words out loud for the first time in his life show. It's... <laughs> It's other stuff. Let me talk about our wonderful patrons really quick. Thank you so much to the folks who are donating at the level where we shout them out every single episode. Thank you to Matthew Voidovich, the Agile Ventures charity, Zach Grannon, Tails the Weird Orange Squirrel Thing, I guess, Louis Santos, Nick Cantar, Sean, Ivor Robotnik, Sunny Ty, Sonic the Hedgehog, Murray Rousseau, Chris Hogan, and Stanley Tactical Radio. Thank you to all those folks and other folks who have donated or are donating. You help make the show possible and you get to join our Slack team or ignore our Slack team invitation. One or the other. That's right. <laughs> you pay for the privilege of ignoring our invite. Yeah. Most people get paid to ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to dive into our first question? Sure. This comes from a listener named Isa or Isa. Isa. Or Wastrel. Wastrel? <laughs> Isa. Okay. The pronunciation guide said Isa. Oh, okay. Thank you. I apologize for mispronouncing your name. Here we go. It says, I'm so glad I discovered your podcast last week. You guys are hilarious. I laughed to myself in the car. <laughs> I wonder if that's safe. <laughs> All right. As long as it's not that funny. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to dial it down for the automotive audience. All right. And you talk about issues that I have thought about since coming into, quote, the adult world. I'm a new CS grad and have started as a new hire at the company I interned with last summer on my third week of full-time employment, but I still feel like an intern. One of my supervisors even jokes and calls me an intern. I know it's a joke, but I feel degraded. I'm the youngest at 22 and the only woman on my team surrounded by people who have been on the program for five plus years. The people around me are very technical. I have slowly been getting information about what the program does, but it still isn't clicking as fast as I wanted to compared to what I had experienced in my time at university. I have no experience in and have not learned any of the concepts they have been talking about. I feel that my CS degree does not matter, and I feel that I am not competent enough and don't deserve my place at this company. I'm not as technical as the other employees. I feel that since I have said I have my degree in CS, people expect me to learn fast and be, quote, technical. Am I setting myself up with unreasonable expectations? How can I prove to myself and to others that I deserve to be a part of the team and the program as a full-time employee? Oh, man, this is a great question, but it, like, breaks my heart to hear it. So, first of all, there's this undercurrent of, do I really deserve to be here? And good news, you interned there and passed the job interview. So yes, like they explicitly evaluated you and said, uh, given what we know about this person, uh, about Issa from, from her time interning with us and how she does on the interview, do we want to hire her? Yes. And the fact that you interned there means they have a lot more information about you than the average person that gets oh, yeah. hired at a company. Oh, yeah. Like an extended multi-month interview. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty strong external evidence that yeah, you deserve to be here because they knew what they were getting when they hired you because they know you pretty well based on past internships and experience. I can relate to this story because my first job out of college was also at, at a defense contractor and I was also the youngest by probably a good 10 or 15 years. And the other people on the team used to make fun of me because I was not old enough to rent a car when we went on work trips. Just sick burns. 
<laughs> I think the key is to flip it around and make fun of them for getting sore when they like play beach volleyball or, or move in a way that isn't standing up or sitting down or uh, how they're closer to death or how they don't know what TikTok is. Wait, what's that? Oh, is that that app? Dave, <laughs> I'm sad to be the bearer of this news to you. That marks you as old. Is that one of those newfangled smartphone applications? It is. Yeah, it's a new video social network thing. I think I saw an advertisement for that in the newspaper. Well, the fact that we're talking about it as as grown adult men probably means that teens are fleeing it in droves now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you've got some ammo. Tell them that they're getting closer and closer to that point in their career where age discrimination kicks in. And <laughs> they'll never be able to get a job again. Yeah. Just turn those tables around. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. That would be mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much of this is like generational pain being passed on where there's a time-honored tradition of new young people being crapped on by older experienced people and it just it just flows through the universe that way that's that's what happened to them someone probably made fun of them for i don't know not being able to like split their own wood with an axe to (laughs) fire up their wood-fired stoves or whatever (laughs) and so now they learned this is what you do. You make fun of new people who are young for not knowing things that you know or being as old as you are. From the very early days when we were all living in caves trying to make yeah. fire by rubbing sticks together. You don't even know how to rub sticks together to make fire? Ha, <laughs> you're not technical. Oh man, they don't even know how to make their own flint arrowheads. Look at them <laughs> with their fancy iron arrows. Ooh. <laughs> you need to get back to their roots. <laughs> this sucks and it shouldn't happen, but... I'm not shocked that it is happening. It's not great behavior, but I think some of it is like not deliberate to be hostile, but just kind of, oh, we just kind of, we just joke with the new person. Ha ha. And and it feels light to them, but heavier to you maybe. Right. I bet that's true. You're newer and less secure and in your career and in the company. And I don't know. It's amazing how you can be sensitive about those things. And I've been in this situation and to them, it probably feels like they don't even remember making the comment. Yeah. And yet it's like daggers. Yeah. But now wait, hold on a second. You're telling me this person has a computer science degree from a university and doesn't know everything. How is that <laughs> how is that even possible? Oh boy. Yeah. I have an almost computer science degree. Yeah. <laughs> everything but calculus too. <laughs> so unless there's some secret like deep knowledge about how to work together on teams with projects with vague requirements and <laughs> UI development and uh, networking concepts and docker and unless all of that was hiding inside calc 2 <laughs> it's there okay, okay shoot yeah i mean i, I really it. should have prioritized it <laughs> yeah there's just there's just a lot of stuff that will never be taught in a cs degree that is very important for industry and i i guess there's a wide range of styles of cs degrees but i think generally my experience from talking to other people and going through my own is that it's heavy on theoretical concepts lots of math, lots of exposure, broad exposure to theory, and then and then kind of a wide array of things like networking, operating systems, like one little dabble with each thing kind of. And then yeah. the actual details of how you do this for a job are completely unknown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Many of the professors who teach these classes have never actually had a job in industry. Yeah. You know? Or if they have, it's been a real long time ago. And my professors were great, but they weren't like fresh out of careers 
in industry. Yeah, like you said, some of them had worked in industry, but lots of them hadn't, and it hadn't been for quite a while. I had one professor who uh, taught like intro to software engineering or something like that, and it was he was fresh out of industry, uh, had his PhD, but then went to work in industry for a, a good decade or so, and then came to be a professor. And his class was awesome. Like he was so pragmatic, had so much insight. It was just a very different feel from the other professors who had been doing nothing but teaching and research for the last 20 years. I think I took that same class from the same professor. Dave and I went to the same school, and I agree that it felt the most pragmatic of any of my CS classes. That and a class in a totally unrelated part of a... It was an IT class. Those were the two classes that felt the most directly related to what I do every day. Huh. Interesting. But I do feel like it gave me a broad exposure and base that has kind of been helpful over the long run, even though it, it isn't that I'm like, oh, let me pull out my lecture notes and remember how I did like the Kalman filter in my AI class <laughs> to help me use this library to move buttons around yeah. the page or whatever. Like, But but just, just knowing that that exists can be helpful. Yep. And if you don't have a CS degree, there's this whole other feeling of imposter syndrome of like, but if I had a CS degree, wouldn't I know all this stuff? Wouldn't right. this stuff be easy for me? So you at least know, like, no, it, it wouldn't. <laughs> I do have the CS degree, and this is still hard. But you know. <laughs> Isn't that amazing that uh, whether you get the CS degree or not, when you come in this industry to begin, you're going to have imposter syndrome? Yeah. I feel like I learned some stuff, but it was definitely on my own where uh, kind of like poking around at open source or, or in these programmer communities, Hacker News, like 10 years ago before it became the hacker news of today and stuff like that. I feel like I got exposure to what the real world of a working developer was like, but none of that except very small glimpses through a CS degree. What I think is interesting about a CS program is that even in the upper division classes, most of the course titles have the word introduction in them. Hmm. And what that tells me is that a bachelor's of computer science is designed to give you exposure to a broad array of topics. And then if you want to go deep into one of those topics, you can either get an advanced degree or you can choose to focus on one of those areas in your profession after you graduate. But yeah. you don't come out of a computer science program with a bachelor's degree with expertise in any one area typically. Not enough yeah. expertise to be like a valuable new hire who someone could say, well, this person took three networking courses. Let's hire them as our you know, network engineering expert. Yeah. Right. It just, it's just not like that. And I was surprised about that. I remember being surprised at what real code written by real people over a long period of time looked like because all the code that I wrote, I just wrote it myself, except for one class where it was three people writing it over a period of three months. And that was our big code base, you know, with like lots of tricky things to understand and, and a long history. But besides that- A long history of a few weeks? Of three months, yeah. <laughs> oh, three months, okay. <laughs> three months, Dave. It was serious experience. <laughs> but there's just- Real world code evolves very differently and, and is understood very differently and work happens on it very differently than when you're just staring at an editor thinking, okay, how do I implement like an AVL tree in, in Java or whatever mm -hmm. the assignment is? I, I guess we're kind of hammering the point home a little, a little bit, but it's true. <laughs> there's <laughs> lots of stuff that you do not learn from a CS degree. So your feeling of, wait, I, there's all this stuff I don't know. I think that's very normal and yep. is just part of jumping into full-time employment in the industry and everyone would have that the people that start coding from when they're nine on their calculators or whatever those people might know a lot more about kind of like the background of computing than i did when i started but they still have the same growing pains of like wait source control and like 
planning meetings and, oh, how do I collaborate on code with other people? Like that happens sometime, no matter how deep your technical experience is. And there's so much of that, right? Like deployment schedules, QA processes, you know, regression testing, like, like all this stuff you've never even thought to do in a computer science class because you've never had code that was old enough or customers. Yeah. I also want to talk about my onboarding at my last, uh, not my last job, my current job. So I'd been working for for about a decade when I joined, maybe a little less, but not new to the industry. And I felt utterly lost technically <laughs> when I when I first started this job because it was in a new problem domain in a moderately new to me tech stack. I had some experience, but not a ton. And a whole new team, whole new company, whole new industry. And I think it was about probably a year before I really felt pretty comfortable technically and culturally. Like I know who people are. I know what the code does broadly as a whole. I know what problems we're trying to solve or we should be trying to solve. So maybe I'm slow. (laughs) Probably I'm (laughs) slow. But also it's possible that your expectations of how quickly you should be able to pick up something might be a little too high where it, it happens over a period of time. And you just start with this little tiny keyhole view of the problem and and the problem domain, and it just kind of expands slowly as you work more on it. And and being very confused and not knowing what's going on is normal, and that will expand to not knowing what's going on about other parts of things as you learn more, but I think that's pretty normal. That, yeah. that doesn't seem weird, and I don't think that means you're not technical enough or not qualified or don't understand uh, or aren't capable of doing good work. 100% agree. This listener has been at the job for three weeks, which is basically zero time. Yeah, especially depending on the industry, that that could mean like you just barely got access to the code or... <laughs> yeah, or you just barely resolved all my permissions issues so I can read the yeah. docs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, three weeks is no time at all. And what's more is I wouldn't feel too bad about the situation like, oh, I'm so... I should be fully productive. No, I mean, companies operate on longer timescales than I think you're used to as a college student. You know, for a company, a six-month ramp-up period is pretty normal, right? Like, these people have been working on this program for five years plus. Yeah. And so for them to be like, well, after three weeks, you should know everything I know, they don't have that expectation. Very likely, they see you as the new person, which is fine, and they don't expect you to know anything yet. And I would say it's probably a good six months before they even expect you to, to really be able to contribute meaningfully, especially given that you're brand new, fresh out of school and brand new to this company. Yeah. So having said that and said, I think it's perfectly reasonable for you to feel like you're not productive at this point. Now, what do you do? And the one thing I would say don't do is I would not raise an issue about this this uh, playful prodding, assuming it's playful prodding that they're doing, I would not say like, please don't call me the intern. That will fade very likely. But if you call it out, it's likely to become stuck in their minds and it could create more problems, I think. This is, this is my assessment. What do you think, Jameson? Hmm. I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say you should probably ask your manager to stop calling you the intern because you're not the intern. And it depends a lot on the relationship you have. I think if you have... If you have a relatively comfortable relationship with them, I think it's worth bringing up and saying, hey, I already I already feel <laughs> a little out of place because I'm the youngest, I'm the newest member of the team, I'm kind of getting up to speed on everything. That makes it harder for me to feel motivated and accepted by the team. Hmm. Okay. And, and I think, I mean, you could ignore it and it would go away probably eventually, but also... It doesn't mean you just have to suffer in silence and let this happen to you that... yeah this thing happened to you that makes you feel bad. It probably depends on how bad you feel and how often it's happening, whether you want to bring it up or not. Yeah. 
I mean, I can only give advice that I think makes sense to me and I don't have your experiences exactly, but I feel like probably at 22, I would not have done it, (laughs) but like 32 Jameson living in 22 Jameson's body would go back and do it. So I don't know how helpful that is for you, but I think it's the right thing to do. And I think you could, you could do it and improve the situation. I guess I wouldn't blame you for feeling uncomfortable doing it because I definitely would have at that age too. Cool. Let me, let me throw out one other comment that I think might help. At my current company and at other companies I've worked at, there is a general understanding that new grads, new college grads who have just started at the company are generally expected to produce negative value for the company. They are an investment. And we know that over time they will grow and start producing positive value for the company. In other words, they'll produce more value than they cost. But for the first few months and sometimes even for the first year or two, we know that these we take a long view of these employees and we we think you know over time they will become so super valuable with the right opportunities and mentoring and training but for the first while they are not so productive and they are not able to produce so much value that they can actually offset what we're paying and that's just a given in the industry and so this may or may not be true for you and the time it takes to work out of this net negative time frame varies by person but I think your expectations for yourself are probably a lot higher than the expectations your company has for you. Yeah, that leads into one last comment I wanted to make, which was you have this expectation of, am I setting myself up with unreasonable expectations? I think you should ask your supervisor or supervisors, whoever whoever your management is, you should ask them to clarify to you, what do you expect me to be doing right now? How much do you expect me to be contributing? How fast should I be going? And And get it explicitly from them what is good for your level of experience and and exposure to the problem domain. Because if they say, oh, you're doing great, like you should finish these two tickets in the next month or whatever, whatever metrics or numbers or measure they give you, that's a much more concrete thing to measure yourself against than I feel like I'm going too slow, which you can always feel that no matter what the reality is. That's true. So I think you should you should definitely press for that. If you're not comfortable pressing back or pushing back on the the kind of intern jokes, you should definitely at least seek out clear expectations. That's part of your manager's job is to provide those to you. So you can gently help them by asking for them if they're not doing it. So expectations are great. And then also feedback on how you're meeting those expectations or whether you're meeting them. But I think three weeks is a little too premature. Your manager probably doesn't even know yet how well you're performing. And it takes a few months to really observe. Yeah. Give it time. But not not premature to ask for expectations. Yes, definitely. Cool. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. Good luck. I feel like Snapchat is the is the that's like the badge that proves I'm old. Oh. <laughs> that's when I was like, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat and YouTubers becoming pop culture celebrities. I can give you one extra that makes me seem even older. Okay, what's that? The Nintendo 64 controller. Huh completely just bumped me out of console video games i couldn't i couldn't manage it but that was the worst one they got way better after that <laughs> okay well <laughs> i haven't gone back <laughs> come back in <laughs> i mean it was cool to have the little thumbstick that was that was an that was the relatively thing. innovative thing that was the thing that killed me well they all have thumb there's thumbsticks everywhere now exactly Dave. and that's why i'm out <laughs> they multiplied <laughs> okay i'm gonna read the next question This is from an anonymous listener. My team works closely with another team and the manager of that team is difficult. Most of my interactions with him has resulted in him getting defensive and frustrated and nearly become arguments. I try pretty hard to remain polite, but we usually don't accomplish anything. I'm not sure 
that I want to mention this to my manager or to his because I'm worried the word will reach him that I tattled, which will just make things worse. He's also more senior than me and has been at the company longer. So if this conflict does escalate, I feel the company would probably take his side. Otherwise, I really like this job, so the age-old advice of quitting is not an option here. Besides just trying to avoid any interactions with him, what can I do? Thanks so much for the help. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a pretty big assumption there. (laughs) (laughs) There will be help provided. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah, I didn't realize that was part of the deal here. Back up there. (laughs) (laughs) What have I gotten ourselves into? Huh. I'm kind of assuming this, but it sounds like this the question asker might be managing their team, and they work with another team. And they the, the two mm. managers conflict. That feels like the most likely thing. I guess I, I feel like it would be it'd be harder to as an individual contributor on a team where the two teams are collaborating, feel like you have a lot of conflict with the other manager. Maybe that's true though. I don't know. Conflict can spread up <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> true. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't assume that one of these would result in less conflict than the other. I don't think conflict respects the org chart. Uh, if only it did. <laughs> then our problems would all be solved, right? <laughs> then you'd resolve conflict by saying, look, this number next to my name is bigger than the number next to your name. So conflict you have, resolved. You have lost. Glad we healthily resolved it. <laughs> we can both walk away friends now. <laughs> it sounds like that's what the question asker is saying would probably happen, though. It's like, they're more senior than I am. So if it came down to a battle that escalated, then they would look at the numbers next to our name. And <laughs> their number is bigger than mine. <laughs> But then what? Like, would you get fired? I assume you wouldn't get fired. I assume they'd say, like, let's do his idea instead of yours. Yeah, but I I sense this is like an ongoing thing where it's like every idea turns into this fight. Yeah, consistent conflict. So they might say, like, back off and generally do his idea instead of yours for all (laughs) of his ideas. Do all his ideas. (laughs) Now and forever. Yeah. Are we good here? Good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, this is a tough one. I have gotten into arguments with a con- a personality that I conflicted with on a few occasions. And one time it even turned into a borderline shouting match. This is probably about 10 years ago. And I think when this happens, we often feel like we're the only one who is perceiving or experiencing the pain of the conflict. But in reality, I think often the other person, unless they're a sociopath, also feels the, the pain of the conflict. So that's one thing I would say is be careful that you might think you're the only one internalizing this, but there's a good chance they are too. Hmm. How does that change what you do? Well, what it means is that you both acknowledge that there's a problem. And so if you are willing to talk to the person about the conflict, they might be willing to come to the table and work on it because they also have pain. Oh, so you're saying instead of kind of bubble it up and deal with this escalating fight, just say, hey, talk to them, talk to the other manager and Mm -hmm. bring up the fact that it seems like you conflict a lot in the case in the case where i had this near shouting match with this one person it was actually a program manager um, and i was an engineer at the time in the case of that situation i could tell they felt really disturbed by the by the arguments and we had had a few and they actually did go to a manager and i don't think it was with the purpose of tattling it was more like for the purpose of coaching and that manager advised them and i know this because then they came to me and said not the manager but the original conflict person came to me and said hey i just want to i'm sorry that got unprofessional Let's talk through this and figure out how we can resolve this. And we did. We talked through it, resolved it, and we never had another conflict again. Mostly because I shouted louder than him, so he was too afraid. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But in other words, I thought I was the only one experiencing pain. It turns out they were experiencing pain to the point that they actually went to management, got some advice, came back, and we sorted it out coolly and professionally. And it worked out great. So I don't know. these, These things can often go in directions you don't expect, and I certainly didn't expect that one. Yeah. 
And it didn't feel like tattling, I think. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it is you're not saying you're not tugging on their on their I don't know, on their coat saying, please help me. This person's being mean to me. It's more like, hey, I have this problem. Can you help me resolve it? And that's also a big part of your manager's job is coaching you and helping you. Yes. Helping you work through things and resolve things. You have to ask these questions right. You have to say, what can I do differently yeah, to make yeah, yeah. these things work better? Not of, say, hey, go tell them to yeah. <laughs> not argue with me anymore. Right. <laughs> right, right. Which, by the way, is the exact opposite of what my kids do. They, <laughs> they, they come to me and it's like they only have one objective and it is to get the other kid in trouble. Oh, your kids would get poor performance reviews, Dave. Yes, they would. <laughs> Got to tell them to shape up if they're going to make it in corporate America. They regularly <laughs> get poor quarterly performance reviews from me. <laughs> Actually, it's more like daily performance reviews. I am dissatisfied with your performance right now. <laughs> that means you're doing a good job giving feedback, I guess. I guess. They don't care. Though. In the moment? <laughs> yeah, I give I give real-time 360 feedback every day. <laughs> <laughs> they do not give I like the idea crap. of 360 feedback being a very uh, literal metaphor where you're, you're just rotating, yelling in all directions. <laughs> like, stop touching him. Stop pulling her hair. Yeah. Hey, you, like, put those dishes away. Yeah. And just... <laughs> Yep. Like an alarm klaxon just spinning and oh, yeah, I mean, shouting out parentsly advice. Every time I turn my head, there's a kid doing something I don't want them to do. So that's pretty much right. 360 is right. In a couple of weeks here, we're going from one child to two. So I'm I'm getting ready. I'm getting my getting my rotation <laughs> muscles ready. Your sprinkler head, your feedback yeah, sprinkler I can't head. Just, I can't just stare at one child to make sure she's alive. I have to <laughs> switch between two. At the risk of getting too off topic here, two is fine because you have one parent for each child. It's when you hit three that you have to go to a zone defense and just <laughs> all heck breaks loose. Okay. Well, maybe you can help me drop some plays when that happens. <laughs> I'll give you a playbook. All right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, tattling. So problem solved. We ha- you're welcome for the help. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that you don't want to tattle, but I don't think you would be tattling to say, hey, I'm experiencing this problem. And and some options would be, can we practice a conversation where you play the part of this other person and, and we talk through it a little bit? No, no, no. You, the listener plays the part of the other person so they can show how Oh, terrible. so you can see the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, work your magic, manager. Yeah, show me what and I should have done. And then you just get to like torpedo them <laughs> and... <laughs> Yelling at them. <laughs> yeah. Really a moment of catharsis for you. (laughs) When you notice that the other manager seems to be making a lot of points about very specific projects that you have worked on and (laughs) interactions that only you and your manager have had. Yeah. Your manager's going to be like, wait a minute, how does he know (laughs) that I rejected your promotion request? (laughs) Why is he mad at that? Awesome. Yeah, that feels like a good solution to me. And I, I do like the idea of bringing it to the other manager directly. To the to the conflict-y? Yeah, yeah. And saying, hey, this feels like a lot of conflict. Can we work this out productively? Mm-hmm. What I have found is mixed results. So like I said, I've had three or four conflicts in my career. And about half the occasions, I've actually gone out to lunch with the individual that I'm having a conflict with. And I've just spelled it out. Like said, hey, I want to have a healthy, productive working relationship with you. But I see the following behaviors between us as as being harmful to that. What can we do? And, you know, I've had one case where that did not work out very well, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where they basically said nothing. And I've mm-hmm. had other cases where they say, yeah, I appreciate you. You said, what can we do? And they said, there's nothing we can do. Um, they basically, well, they didn't know. They, they just focused on me. Oh, they're yeah. like, 
ah, I've got a list. Yeah, here, they're basically like, here's what you need to do. And I'm like, well, okay, I can make some changes. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't say this, but there's also some unhelpful behavior. I mean, it takes two to tango, right? Yep. And anyway, when someone comes to me and says, Dave, I have a conflict with you, I am so happy to hear that. Just willing to concede and say, here's what I'll do differently. Let's talk through this, what works best for you. But not everyone is like that. Yeah. So you have to be prepared for that eventuality. Yeah. But the thing that appeals to me about that is it feels like the most the most you can do. Like if you do that, you have tried really hard. Mm-hmm. And and then it feels like it's much easier to escalate both for coaching and also for for help. If you can say I talked to them directly, it didn't go well, here's how the conversation went, um and it's it's still a problem that's affecting our team's productivity. That's much different than just like this is hard. What can we do about it? If you yeah. can show you already tried something. And and I feel like a manager's instinct is going to be to help you try to solve your own problem as well, where I think most managers, if they do what I think is right, <laughs> will, will try to encourage you to work through it and support you in that. Mm-hmm. So So showing that you're willing to do that engenders a lot of goodwill, I guess. Let's talk about strategies for in the moment, in the fight. So mm-hmm. I think many disagreements stem from from misunderstandings and it helps in the in the heat of the moment to call out your common premises and so you know a lot of times it's a disagreement not about the destination but about the path to get there and i think when you're in the middle of one of these disagreements you can take a step back and say okay i see that we differ on how we want to proceed let me see what we share in common or what is our common ground here are we looking to reduce latency on this service call okay yes good all right I think we can achieve that best by this. You think we can achieve it best by that. Let's figure out which, you know, how can we know which one of these approaches is better, right? And I think when you kind of spell it all out like that, you can disassociate your ego and their ego from the solution and say, here's the problem we are jointly trying to solve. Let's at least agree on that and then figure out the best pathway together. That makes a lot of sense. What about cases where you don't have a shared goal? So what if they're both working on a project, but the conflict is like, how much of your team's time should be spent on this versus my team's time? Right. And it's kind of like this zero-sum game where if they do all the work, then your team is free to do all your other crushing important things yep. and vice versa. Yeah, that's a that's tough. That's a tougher one. That's when you really do need a third party to help escalate when you literally just can't see eye to eye because the incentives have pitted you against each other. Yeah. That's when you need, I think, a third party or, or you need to invoke the org chart and say, look, this needs to bubble up. And bubbling that up, again, if you couch that in the right terms, it doesn't have to be like, mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> they won't stop hitting me it's yeah. like we disagree on what our priorities are and, and and this affects the priorities of two teams and and theoretically that's something that your manager should be able to weigh in and say like this team's priority is more important so the work should fall on the other team for this task or whatever like they should be able to weigh against those two priorities and and your job should be to prioritize your own team's work you know and this is where company culture plays a huge role, because in some companies, it's just survival of the fittest, and whoever, yeah. whoever can claw their way to the top gets the resources. But in yeah. other companies, like there are clearly defined escalation paths, and there is a culture of disagreeing, but then stepping back and accepting the decision once, once it's been escalated and reconciled. I will say it for you, Dave, so you don't have to. Disagree and commit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the word I was thinking of. Yeah. I feel like we've given some good advice that reaching out for coaching to your manager, making sure it's clear you're trying to solve the problem instead of tattling is Mm -hmm. helpful. Trying to solve it yourself in general would be helpful. Mm -hmm. And 
if it's really unresolvable, that does feel like a case to bubble it up responsibly. Let me just throw out one more thing. Do you have a trusted mentor who is actually outside of this situation that you can go to with these confidential details? Dave, it's us. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the question asker did. Oh. <laughs> Fat lot of good that did you. <laughs> And then one more thing I have found when I have conflict at work is sometimes I am blowing up the conflict in my own mind and I just need a disinterested party that I can talk to to help mm. kind of vent and just come down and then see things more clearly and rationally. And a lot of times when I do that, the amplitude dials down of the intensity a little bit. So just kind of talking through it helps. Yeah. Unless they're like a hype man, you know, where where they're just like... <laughs> they pump you up. Rubbing your shoulders, pumping you up, like putting the gloves on. Like, yeah, yeah, don't let him talk to you like that. What is he doing? Get back in there swinging, champ. Yeah, come on. Throw the knockout blow. Find a, find a calm friend. Yes. <laughs> okay. Rubber duck debugging is a thing, so maybe this could be rubber duck mentorship. Rubber duck hype man. <laughs> yeah. Rubber duck hype man. Well, that's the thing. The, the the duck will probably not respond and say like, yeah, double down. <laughs> so if you just tell all your worries and cares about the situation to the duck, you'll contemplate and you'll realize you'll achieve balance, you know. We should make a double down duck that just says, yes, <laughs> dig in. <laughs> Get the knives out. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it says when you squeeze it. <laughs> An organizational politics duck. <laughs> <laughs> sabotage them go around their back yeah <laughs> all right well have we answered the question clearly clearly we have okay good luck to you and where can people go if they want to send us their questions they could go to softskills.audio our website and click the ask us a question button there's also a button for supporting us on patreon and any amount of donation for any period of time will get you an invite to our slack team which is great yep besides that you should listen to more episodes share the episodes and ask questions and come back Please come back. We're so Please. desperate and lonely. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>